0: Hi everyone, this is Jennifer Dono. I am with YoungFemaleEntrepreneurs.com. We're an online support group and incubator for entrepreneurial women in their 20s and 30s and you're watching YFE TV. And today, um, on this particular episode, we do it every Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 9 o'clock Eastern. And uh, this particular episode, I have on a number of guests. The first one is actually Shanley Knox. She is the founder of the Nakate Project. Uh, which is very exciting. Somebody that I've been following for a little while now, and I actually uh, was on her blog last night and probably lost an hour or so going through all of her writing. It's fabulous. You guys will love her. Um, but she's going to be sharing uh, with us her perspective on the Kony 2012 um, viral marketing campaign that Invisible Children have going on right now. She does a lot of work in Uganda and will be sharing... Um, what she thinks about it, pretty much, and a little bit about her company and what we as young female entrepreneurs can do to help. So, um, very exciting. Along with her, we also have the pageant professors on who's, they're going to be making their YFB profile debut. There's four of them, they're co-founders, and they're going to be sharing a little bit more about their company, what it means to be a young woman in business, and uh, to partner with other young women as well. Uh, so I am on chat. If you guys have any questions for Shanley or for the pageant professors as we go, this is an hour long, so you're more than welcome to chat in a question. Uh, we're on, if you go to ON fb.me slash <laughs> just to make it a little bit more complicated for you uh you can go ahead and chat in there but since we do have a lot programmed in i'm going to go ahead and cut right over to shanley um so if you can bring her up hi shanley thank you so much for coming on the show today Hi. Yeah, sure. All right. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself because you are someone that built a business around your passion, much like the women that we have later on um, in the show. And uh, so maybe tell us a little bit about why you
1: started it and what you do. Um, Okay. Well, I started the Nakate Project um, in late 2010. Um, I started it actually after I spent some time reporting um, in Uganda, I was working for a nonprofit um, that had sent me over to basically just research what they were doing, what they needed to do more of. Um, so I spent two months living there in a village in central Uganda and um, just interviewing people that had been helped by the organization, interviewing people that needed help. Um, and I left. Um, I had been traveling back and forth to Uganda and to Haiti since I was about 18, but I just really left with a new passion to do something um, and felt like I had a responsibility at that point because I had just seen so much. Um, So about six months after I returned home, I started this project, um which basically works with women in central Uganda that are in smaller villages. Right now we're working in a village called Kokoge. So we bring in artisans from bigger cities um, to train them in making um, different handmade goods that um, there's not a local market for because there's not a lot of tourists in central Uganda. And then um, they export their goods to us, and um, we sell them here in the fashion market. So... I've been doing that for a little over a year now.
0: Wow. So uh, just to be clear, you're not a Mm -hmm. nonprofit. You're more of what they're kind of very trendy right now, social entrepreneur. Yes. Right. Yes. So maybe tell us a little bit about why you decided to go that route versus the nonprofit route.
1: Okay. Um, Well, that was was kind of a difficult decision for me. Um, I spent a long time thinking about it because I was worried that if, we became a social entrepreneurship. People would think that that meant we were sending less money or that we were doing less good um, because we weren't really willing to be a nonprofit. And then I realized there was this whole movement um, of just people being educated and educating others on how actually being a business can enable you in a lot of ways to help more directly. Um, so, kind of the crux of my decision was that being a social entrepreneurship, I could send money directly to these women and I could give them each a salary and that I didn't have to funnel through a project um, or have a board here decide what I did but I could just um, really decide with my Ugandan team where the money should go and pay each woman individually and I felt like I had a lot more control that way of um, how our relationship went based on how they wanted it to go on the ground and what made them happy. So.
0: That's awesome. Okay, so if you're just joining us now, we're talking with Shanley Knox, and she's the founder of the Nakate Project. And she does a lot of work within Uganda. And we do have uh, the chat open over on Facebook. So if you're there, if you have a question for her, um, you're more than welcome to post it on the chat, and I'll make sure to relay it over. Uh, so she was just telling us about why she chose the social entrepreneur route versus the nonprofit. Um, now, you went to Uganda and you didn't necessarily want to start a business, correct It wasn't like you were going there and thinking, "How can I export these things out of here um yeah, so who tell us about the process of starting? who advised you on how to do business in another culture and in i mean a third world really how How did you learn the ropes
1: um I really feel like in a lot of ways I'm still learning the ropes. But really I was very fortunate um, because I went over with a nonprofit that was small and so they were willing to give me a lot of um, support in starting just as far as conversations and advice and they had been there a lot longer than I had. Um, And then on the ground, um, we have a Ugandan couple that we work with that um, just because of the nature of how neglected their village was, and the fact that um you know not only is central uganda kind of the worst area of uganda at this point their village and district in particular are just um really badly off and so when i wanted to work in their village um they were really excited and they just um they're the head of a local school and um They were just really supportive of me wanting to do that and agreed to partner with me right away. And I had already met them, um, because I'd been reporting. So they had seen like, that I cared about the women in their village and I cared about, um, them. And so they have really been just incredible. Like there's no way that I could have done this without them. They, um, you know, help the women there to trust me um, by facilitating conversations and for us to meet in each of their um, homes when I'm there and just talking to me about, you know, this is how we do things in Uganda. This is something cultural you need to understand. Um, and then I, have an, I also have a friend there. Um, his name's Morris, and he's in his late 20s. And a lot of times um, he works as my translator or just kind of giving me advice on the culture. And he's really tech savvy. So, you know, I'll take a laptop over for them and he'll set them up with internet and set them up with Skype. And so um, he's been really helpful as well.
0: That's nice. So it's definitely not just a one woman show. You have a lot of people out there that are supporting you. Yeah. Yeah. That's good too. to know. And then a personal question your okay. family, yeah. uh, what did they think about this? The um, whole process? <laughs>
1: Well, I've always, I mean, since I was, when I was 18 was kind of the first time that, um, you know, I called home and I was like, Hey mom, I'm going to Haiti for the summer. And, um, she kind of read reports on like, you know, warnings about going to that area of, of the world and was like, no, you are not. And (laughs) my dad was like, no, this is great. Like have her go. And my dad's always traveled and, um, really, he's been a lot of the drive for me to travel. And kind of when I was a little girl, he always gave me stuff that he, um, he had picked up, you know, he's, he's an army brat and then continue to travel afterwards. So my whole room has always been stuff from all over the world. That's from my dad. Um, and he's always encouraged me, you know, like just get on a plane and do it. So I think nobody was surprised. Um, I was headed to Washington DC. Um, you know, for like a third interview with a newspaper there and then kind of called home and was like, hey, actually, I think I'm going to keep working in Africa and I'll be home in a week. And they were like, okay, that's great. Wow. (laughs) So, yeah, so I think everyone kind of expected it after how much I had gone back and forth. But, um, yeah. So,
0: So you talked a little bit about how you were, you're still kind of learning the ropes as you go. So if you can talk about a couple failures maybe that you've had, um, especially in working, like we were saying, in a different culture, third world country, what are some of the th- lessons that you've learned? Um, maybe the hard way too. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, one of them, I think the most difficult one actually, was, um, had to do with Morris. And he and I have been good friends for probably two years now. Um, and he was having seizures the last time I was over there. And I had no idea why. And um, he started having a seizure in the middle of traffic in Kampala, which is basically a three hour grid where you're just stuck.
2: So um,
1: I was the only person doing anything about it. And it was just incredibly stressful. And you know, this medical emergency in the middle of Kampala. And, you know, I really felt like there was only one way to deal with it. Like we had to get him to a clinic and we had to deal with it. And I, um, you know, I was very, um, you know, one of my friends laughed and said that I went all white girl on them, but I was very like, you know, we need to do this and we need to do it now. And you need to turn off the radio and you need to listen to me. And, you know, even though it was, definitely a good thing that we got him to a clinic and he got muscle relaxers and all of that stuff um you know later the thing i was criticized for was freaking out and i realized that um you know in their culture that's just not something that um is acceptable that you just don't start freaking out in the middle of a situation even if you're stressed and you're you know it's a medical thing and you know you just you remain calm and you are respectful to the men in particular around you, um, regardless of how you're feeling at the moment. And, um, then the other mistake I made was, um, that was also kind of difficult was, um, that someone had asked to borrow money from me to pay for something. And two months later I asked for it back and they didn't really tell me, um, that that offended them. But I found out later through someone else that actually, A lot of times when you borrow money from someone in Uganda, what you're really saying is, I don't have the money to pay for this, would you do it for me? And I'll return the favor at some point, kind of a thing. And instead, you know, I was very American about it and was like, hey, you know, you borrowed this money, can I have it back now? And um, so both of those things kind of ended up really um, being things that I – didn't know were quite offensive that I did, but, um, but I was definitely let know (laughs) in the aftermath that, um, that those things were offensive. So,
0: so I could ask you a million other questions about this because this is a huge, a huge thing that you've done basically building this company. It's a transnational company, um, social entrepreneurship, which is a whole other topic. Um, Mm -hmm. before, but before we get into the, Invisible Invisible Children and that campaign that they went over. I did want to bring up this blog post. I don't know if you can show it on there. Um, so mm-hmm. Shanley wrote this blog post uh, last night, I want to say, um, yesterday, on um, kind of her response to Invisible Children. And within it, you kind of went over pretty quickly on the topic of, the, uh, even though you're a social entrepreneur, you're still mm-hmm. in the business of making money. And there was mm-hmm. some form of money guilt or even social mm-hmm. um, stigma that came with
1: mm-hmm.
0: dealing doing business in Africa and still trying to make money. So could you speak a little bit on how you're dealing with that and how you're able to move forward and continue in business?
1: Yeah. Um, I think as far as the guilt part, like I've just realized that um, – you know i have a friend that's in international business and he told me at some point last year um when you're tempted to get angry what you need to do is educate and i think i hit a point where i realized that the people that were critical of me for um spending money um that i made through my business um on myself whether it be my phone bill or my car insurance or whatever it is didn't really understand the nature of the business and that perhaps if i explained it to them um they wouldn't be critical anymore. And I really have discovered that, that if I can be patient and I can just say, you know, actually this is, you know, this is how the business works. They're, they're usually pretty supportive and they understand. Um, but in the beginning I just had a lot of guilt with, um, which I think a lot of people do. I think that's very common. You come back from a place where people are starving and you feel like this is life and death, you know, like what if they don't, feed their children this month. What if their children can't go to school? And, you know, like, you know, you just start stressing about that every time you spend money. Um, but I hit a point where I felt like I was going to completely burn out. And I uh, had a friend that was like, either you have to start taking a salary or you're going to find a full-time job and they won't benefit anyway. So you need to take a salary. And, um, that was kind of the point where I started, um, you know, taking a salary. so I just, I take a percentage and sometimes I take less than my percentage. Um, but, uh, you know, other months I'll maybe take a little more and make up for it. But, um, you know, I, I just have worked really hard to kind of talk to people that are in business and that understand the business and can help me with budgeting and figuring out how much is fair to pay myself. And, um, that continues to kind of be an ongoing thing that I'm, figuring out, but you know, I realized, you know, I am I, I did found this and I am the one that's um, you know, running it with along with other people. But um without me it would cease to exist at this point. So, you know, I need to be able to take care of me. So that's kind of been a, a lesson that I've had to learn.
0: So like I said, there's probably a hundred other questions I could ask on that, but I did want to get to uh the what she just showed. The Coney mm-hmm. 2012 and uh, what Invisible Children has done. And within that same blog post where you talked about the money guilt, being mm-hmm. a social entrepreneur, um, you use the line, you say Uganda's been working to save itself for a long time now. Mm-hmm. You say that in your blog. So where do you think that Invisible Children, which is a nonprofit, uh, where do you think they're missing the mark?
1: Um. Well, I think a lot of people criticized them for all different reasons this week. A lot of them had to do with budget. A lot of them had to do with operations. Um, you know, I think they just got really pummeled by the online community. Which I didn't really, um, I didn't really enter into that um, because I I feel like um, Invisible Children has definitely done good in a lot of ways, um, and I think that the average person that knows about Uganda, um, sadly enough. <laughs> typically only knows about them because of invisible children. And in that regard, I mean, that's fantastic that they're spreading awareness. Um when I, you know, when I when I first saw tweets coming in about it, I hadn't even watched the video yet. And I just I saw a couple of friends that I have in Uganda tweeting about it. And I just thought, oh no, what did they do? And um I I watched the video and and I really I mean I saw what they were talking about and I feel like um, you know what they really did was they set up this whole structure of you know here we are as a team of Americans and we went in and we saved these people and that's so amazing and look at what we did and when you're on the ground in Africa and you're the only white girl in the room people talk about that kind of thing and they're not happy about it and they're not happy about it when missionaries do it or when organizations do it or when I do it. Um, And so kind of um, you know, they, they get really frustrated when, when we come in and instead of acting like it's a partnership, you know, really what we're doing is we're creating a business off of their need and we're making money off of their need. And um, you know, we're kind of creating, um, Creating possibly a, a bigger issue than there is. the The LRA is certainly a huge issue, but um, you know the head of the crisis tracker tweeted me yesterday, really frustrated that people were continuing to say that the campaign was about Uganda, and he was like, you know, clearly this campaign is about the Congo, and um, you know, I I later looked at the video again, and I I realized like you talk about Uganda the entire video, and so. The LRA has been out of Uganda for six years. Gulu is one of the richest parts of the country. Gulu is doing just fine, and the LRA is not bothering anyone in Uganda. And, um, you know, I really felt like the whole campaign, who they talked to, the places that they chose to focus on, unfortunately, really focused on Uganda. And I think Ugandans that are trying to rebuild their lives felt like hey, you're talking about our country and you're making this huge show of us, but actually we're not even part of this issue anymore. So kind of why are you bringing it up and bringing us into it? So I think that was part of it as well, was just kind of where they chose to focus on geographically.
0: Okay. Yeah, it's it's been an interesting debate. And I read all of the articles last night that I could trying to figure mm-hmm. out what exactly was going on. But I was mm-hmm. one of those people um, in 2007 I was graduating from college and I sat in an auditorium and watched the Invisible Children movie or the Me documentary too. so um yeah so yeah you're right and I was an, interla- an international studies um political science major and it was I, I I didn't really deal with a whole lot of African issues that were going on especially Uganda and yeah. uh, so that was one of the first times I ever heard about the
1: issue um yeah, I mean they've tr- the 20-year conflict in Uganda. They have truly made it famous, which is is fantastic that they've done that. You know.
0: Yeah, but you definitely brought up a lot of good points, especially coming from the point of view of a young woman um, who's white, who's in Africa, who is doing business yes. <laughs> uh, in Uganda. So um, I'm definitely going to encourage everyone that's watching tonight to check out uh, both her nakateproject.com because seriously, if you can bring up the website, gorgeous beads, really beautiful colors, and you've placed them so well within um, the photographs that you've used too, it makes it very appealing. So check those mm-hmm. out. And it's very reasonable price points too. Um, and also your blog, and can you say the, ad- the address
1: of your blog? Yeah, it's net.
0: Perfect. Yeah, it's a really good bo- blog, especially Um, You talk a little bit about business in there and a little bit about your personal self and how you got to the point of starting this business. It's a fun read. Um, You write like a movie. It's like a book. It's fantastic. (laughs) And I really love it and appreciate it. So thank you you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And um, hopefully everyone got something out of it. Um, But, yeah, so we're going to have Nicole Prida and their team from Pageant Professors on next. Shanley, I hope we can do something else with YFE and the Nakate project in the future.
1: Yep, thank you. All
0: right, thank you. Have a good night. You too. So, that was Shanley Knox and like I said nakateproject.com is a fantastic um I'm actually going to bring on Pageant Professors fantastic. now. So they fantastic. might jump in. So, it's a fantastic organization, um, a fantastic business. And like I said, it's not a nonprofit. It's a great example of social entrepreneurship. And Shanley's very, um, very careful about how she words things and how she goes into everything. But so, we just talked about the Coney 2012 project um, or the campaign that Invisible Children's doing. Same week, unfortunately. (laughs) Well, I don't want to say unfortunately because they're both, you know, great causes out there. Uh, But another organization launched their cause, uh, the YEC, and it's called Fix Young America. I don't know if you can pull up that screenshot. No, that's Time Magazine. That's close, though. Uh, So... (laughs) Uh, so the screenshot is the next one, um, I think it's number four. Yeah. So anyway, it's the YEC Fix Young America piece and you can go to FixYoungAmerica.com to find out all about it. Um, but the YEC is a nonprofit, and they advocate uh, for entrepreneurship as a solution to unemployment and underemployment in America's youth. And uh, so right now they're running a big campaign using Indiegogo and um, they've been featured in countless magazines. Scott Gerber, I'm sure all of you have heard his name. He's on um, MSNBC, he's on CNN, every channel that I click on he's got his face on there somehow. So yeah, they have this little thing where it's past the baby, and you're able to go to fixyoungamerica.com and actually enter in one of your solutions, because this is a solution-based campaign where they're saying, what, what do you suggest would be the, the, the fix-all of America's unemployment? And I apologize. I'm trying to get um, pageant professors on and talk at the same time, <laughs> um, but Preeta's actually on. We can go ahead and say hi to Preeta while I get everyone on. Preeta, do you want to say Hi.
3: Hi, everybody.
0: We are so excited. Yay! This is going to be really fun. So, um, Preta, I've got. Ooh, Nicole is coming on. Let's see if we can get her on to. See if we can get her on to. See if we can get her on um, I just want to finish up, oh, Nicole, are you on? Am I on? I don't see your video. <laughs> there we go. All right, so Nicole's on, and we're waiting for a few other, two others um, of their co-founders. Um, so go to young, FixYoungAmerica.com, and you can find out more about the YEC and what they're doing with that. Um, they like I said, they're in time magazine. If you just Google fix young America, you'll definitely find something, but it's, uh, one of the th- the pieces of the campaign is that they're putting out this ebook, uh, that's gives you a rundown of what people are doing across the nation to fix this, this issue of the 60 year high unemployment, underemployment issue. Um, all right. It looks like we were queuing up alley now. So things are going. Now, if you are on Facebook right now and checked into the chat, you can ask um, any one of these ladies any questions that you'd like, and I'll make sure to relay it over to them so we can get some discussion happening. Hi. Hi, Allie. Thank you so much for being on. Okay, so we've got one other person that we're waiting for with Courtney. Let's see if I can add her on. Are you on Skype showing (laughs) Okay, so maybe Courtney will call in now.
3: Sorry, that's a problem with having. Of us remotely we're all in different parts of the country.: Yeah, no, I think
0: that's awesome. So Pageant professors uh, is YFE's latest profile, and like they said, there's four of them, and they are at every corner of the country. Uh, we have Nicole and Prita who are at the top. Um, they were actually featured in the profile in Nicole, where are you at?
4: I'm sorry.
0: Where are you located?
4: I am in Maryland.
0: In Maryland. that's right. And then Prita, you're in New York.
3: I'm in D.C. I'm, I'm technically in uh, Atlanta for work right now for a couple more weeks, but I'm based out of
0: D.C. Awesome. Okay, let's fix this up a little bit. So now we've got Allie and Courtney on, too. And, Allie, where are you located?
5: I'm in right. Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm in Scottsdale,
0: Perfect. Arizona. Okay. And, Courtney, where are you?
5: I'm in Courtney.
2: New York City.
0: Okay, so if you are just joining us, we have Nicole. I'm getting a little bit of feedback.
5: Echo. <laughs> you look like the Brady Bunch in all our little square. I know. It's cute. So uh, if any of you have
0: um, headphones, I know we did a little rundown at 530, and so this is my fault. Um, or if you can turn down your volume or mute it so we just make sure that we have no echo. Um, so thank you so much for being on the show and for being patient while we get everything queued up. There's always something fun that happens when we bring people on Skype and these women are incredible. Their stories are phenomenal. They have, uh, again, something like what Shanley was on talking about. They had a passion and they turned it into a business and, uh, they're they are unique because it is four young women that have come together and are building this business. And it's a fairly new business. I believe you guys are, you're almost in your first year anniversary. We are. Yeah, it's very cool. So I'm going to go ahead and let you guys talk a little bit about yourselves and how you got started. So what is pageant professors and who do you serve?
3: The pageant professors is an innovative, um, pageant instruction sites. We are web-based and we use high-definition video to basically help guide young women who are interested in competing in the world of beauty pageants on everything they need to know from how to pick the perfect gown for their body type to how to find a great interview suit on a budget. Um, There are so many different parts of a pageant competition that can can get overwhelming and it can get very expensive. So we have um, a bunch of free videos where we've got new content coming literally every day
0: uh, that tackles all areas of the competition. Awesome. So why don't we go through all four of the Brady Bunch boxes (laughs) and tell us a little bit about yourselves and maybe how you met one another. Who wants to start? (laughs) Let's go ahead and start with Nicole since you're up at the top left.
4: We actually all met competing at Miss Maryland USA in 2009, but it was the fall of 2008. And I just remember, I think Courtney and I had actually met the year before, and Frida, ali and I had met again in 2008. And I have this very distinct memory of being in the audience and sitting near Courtney. And Frida had just come out of her interview, and she was sashing across the (laughs) rehearsal room in a very cute pink interview dress. And I was like, who is that? I need to get to know her. (laughs) And so the relationship just really blossomed from there. Um, Later that year, we all went to Vegas for Miss USA. And really, our friendship has just, you know, obviously grown from there. All
0: right. So before we move on, now you're a title holder, correct? Yes. And you're Miss Delaware?
4: I'm Miss Delaware International, 2012. Yeah.
0: And you're a title holder, Preeta, of, what's your title? I'm Miss District of Columbia International
3: of 2012. So, Nicole and I are actually competing together um, at
0: the end of July for Miss International in Chicago, Illinois. Yeah. That's incredible. And then Ali and Courtney, are you title holders as well?
2: I'm a past title holder. I was Miss Marilyn Teen USA 2003, um, but now I just coach others in their dreams. Incredible. And Allie? and Allie? Oh, we can't hear you,
3: Allie. Oh, no, we have Allie muted. Allie is competing. this. I was on mute because compete. of the feedback. That oh, there we go. <laughs> um, no, I'm speaking in distance.
0: We still didn't get it. Um, Nicole, what's Allie's, what is she doing?
4: We are actually going to be in Arizona in Phoenix at the end of the month. Allie will be competing in Mrs. Arizona America 2012 and we hope to be rooting for her at Mrs. America uh, later this year.
0: Wow. Very fun. All right. So uh, now that we went over all of your titles very quickly, because I think that's really, I think that's an important piece of your business is that you've all been there. You've conquered and you've, you're now ready to pass the torch down to other women. Uh, so Prita, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into pageant professors.
3: So pageant professors um, actually started because the four of us, after competing together, we stayed very close friends, as uh, Nicole mentioned, so we would go for kind of monthly or quarterly brunches together. And there was actually one brunch where we spent about four hours talking about nothing but pageant stuff. And it was, oh my gosh, did you see that competitor? She was fantastic. Um, just the other role that should have won, but her gown was you know not fitted right or whatever And we just went through all of this stuff and my boyfriend who actually has his own website um, That is similar but teaches tennis uh, Came over to us and said you know you guys should just put this on the internet you should just videotape your guys your, your Conversations um, because so many young women will be able to find that helpful And I think he was semi-joking and we kind of just took it and ran um, and so the last year has been fantastic because when we're creating our topic list and when we're going through the content, it's just amazing how much stuff, um, I mean, we've been competing for years on end, but if we go back to what it was like the very first time we competed, there's just so many things I didn't know. And if you're new or not in the pageant world, pageants are expensive, an entry fee can be upward from $700 to $2,000. So when you're making that kind of investment, you want to make sure that you know everything you need to know when you're going into it. And so that's kind of the motivation, um, and that's what motivated us, is just think back on our experiences, everything that we, we weren't told or, or didn't know how to find out, and, uh, and tell the world.
2: Nice.
0: Okay, And Courtney, how did you meet the pageant professors, and what's your background?
2: Uh, well, I met the girls. I met Nicole first at uh, Miss Maryland USA two thousand eight, and became instant friends. and um, And then met Ali and Frida the following year when we all competed against one another. And my background: I've been competing in pageants for um, twelve years now. And um, then from my pageant experience, went on into the modeling world, and which is why I'm living in New York now as a full-time model. And so I'm able to kind of take my modeling experience and my pageant experience and combine the two together because there's so many tricks and tips that I learn about photography and how to walk in a gown and hair and makeup tips that work so well with pageant professors as well. Very nice. Now, you were saying
0: that you help other women. Or do you do actual in-person, one-on-one coaching with women? Uh,
2: I have for about eight years now. Um, I work with uh, girls that want to compete uh, for various different titles. I've worked with girls who've gone on to win their national titles. And I worked with a twirling company, a twirling troupe that are actually world, uh, world champions. And I coach over sixty girls for the twirlers to go on to compete for Miss Majorette of America. So I really do like to see the girls take, you know, start from the beginning and work their way up to achieving their dreams. Very nice.
0: Now, and Nicole and Prita, do you do any type of in-person one-on-one coaching as well?
3: We did not. That's kind of where I think Padgett Professors came in was just the ability. We had an overwhelming response when we first started the company as people who wanted in person coaching. Um, and we found that it was just, it was hard to scale it. So that was a big reason behind all the videos, because it was something that we could create um, and all of the girls are accessible and we don't have to necessarily have uh, to schedule one on one time with everybody. So that that's the goal is to be able to quote coach every, um, Every girl uh, using the video. So we like to think of it more as instruction than coaching. We right. want to teach them <laughs> how, to, how to do this for themselves, versus uh, telling them exactly what what to wear and what not to wear. Very
2: nice. Right now, and it's great because they were able to take past experiences from our own and from seeing other girls throughout the years, and really put them into over-the-top videos that will be really fundamental for everybody. Yeah.
0: Now, is anyone else doing this right now?
2: Not that we know of. This is
3: completely unique. There's lots of pageant coaching, um, but this method of really instruction and educating um, young women who want to compete is something that we have found is completely dynamic and unlike anything that's out there in the marketplace
4: right now. Yeah, I would agree. I think that,
0: oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say that, uh, so we're going to show the young female entrepreneur profile of the pageant professors in a moment. Just cut, um, I just cut up a few pieces to show you guys. And uh, one of the pieces that I did leave out and that you'll be able to find on YouTube, Blip TV, and iTunes tomorrow is a piece where they talk about um, a friend of yours. And I don't know if he's someone that you were talking about that gave you the idea you should put this all on video. But how he helped you out with that and how having that connection was really important as far as getting pageant professors off the ground. So maybe if you could tell us a little bit about him and how you met him, how that connection happened, because I'm sure a lot of people want him on their team. Yes, he is
3: Well, he's actually my boyfriend, and uh, I'm not sure if he's watching tonight. He's out in Indian Wells, California, but he has a website called, um, and this is a very memorable name. It's called fuzzyyellowballs.com. It is a web-based tennis instruction website, um, and they use high-definition video uh, to uh, teach you how to play tennis and improve your tennis game. So um, he had a lot of the foundation for going into a web-based instruction site, and he really helps me. I mean, he coached me through every um, part of the way, and, and we actually, when we first started with pageant professors, we were using um, FYBs, cameras and we're using their studio and their setup until we could um, afford to buy our own cameras and our own, you know, microphones and setup. So he was instrumental in this entire process. I think pageant professors would not exist if it wasn't for the support of um And his name is Adam Sminsky. I should give him a name. Um, Adam Sminsky and actually Will Hamilton of, of um, Fuzzy Yellow Balls.
0: So it's fuzzyyellowballs.com? Yes. It's a very
3: fun site, and they're actually um, they go to the tournaments themselves. So they're out in Indian Wells, California, right now, covering (laughs) Rafa Nadal and all the other uh, tennis gods um, while they're playing in that tournament. So,
0: well, that's I and I remember I forget what the exact conversation was around it, but after um, you talked a little bit about him, I went to fuzzyyellowballs.com, <laughs> and I was just like, this is incredible. It really was. And so you're able to see how, um, if you go to pageantprofessors.com, you can see the 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 similarities i guess oh, yeah. and so it worked really well um but before we go on any further i wanted to play a short little clip of the pageant professor's profile that we're going to be have um it's going to go live on youngfemaleentrepreneurs.com so just a short little two minute video and then we'll cut back and we'll add some discussion if you're over on facebook watching this live make sure that you chat in with questions since we have all of the ladies on the skype call this is your chance
4: Um, you know the main difference is that um, most contestants are using a personal one-on-one coach, and so the benefit of that is obviously that you have someone that's dedicated um, and available. You know, whenever you have a question, um, things like that. But um, you know, the purpose of the videos is really to reach um, a broader audience and at a much lower cost. But,
3: yeah, the scalability of it is, I think, really, really cheap. Yeah. Um, there's obviously tons of pageant fans in the U.S., but even more abroad. And so we really wanted something where we could access everyone. I mean, for the most part, if you are looking for a pageant coach, you're kind of restricted to your geographical area. Um, so if you're in a rural you know, city in Kansas, um, you might not be able to have that face-to-face time with a pageant coach,
4: because there might not be one in your area. So... That's where we come in. Yeah, and just to tag on to that, we have a subscriber who's from Kenya, and she was asking us about um, some advice on entering you know, several pageants throughout the year, and we were just so overwhelmed by you know, just being
1: able to reach a global audience. Reach a global audience.
0: <laughs> so we talked a little bit about both of those questions before we went into the video as far as how you differ from your competitors and the scalability that you're offering these young women, especially... If you're out in this remote area, um, so there's a lot of a lot of ways that you can take this company. And if you want to talk, um, if you don't mind, a little bit. I know it's a little personal, but I'm sure a lot of the young female entrepreneurs that are watching this now will appreciate this. What is your current business model? And I know I talked to you to Preda on the phone earlier, and it sounds like you're going to be tweaking that a little bit in the future.
3: So our current business model is really based on the first things first is we want um, to have pretty much tons and tons of our best content and we're going to have that out there for free. Um, so we really want all of our viewers to be able to um, access the material and the information they need to get involved in pageantry regardless of their budget or their scale. Um, we are currently working on a pay for product that will kind of be the, um, the 201 level courses if you will about how to take your competition to the next level and um, how to really succeed. And so that will be marketed separately. Uh, But for the crux of Pageant Professors itself, on our YouTube site and on our page, um, all of that content will stay free uh, for all of our viewers. And we'll continue to update that um, even when we have a paid product.
0: Very nice. Now, so when you're developing this... A little bit of an echo. <laughs> uh, so when you're developing this for uh, the pain uh, product, is are all of you putting in all of your your experience, or how is that happening? Are you collaborating on it? Is one is one person putting it together more so than the other? Do each of you have your own personal products? What does it look like? Nicole, do you want to say? <laughs> I mean, I
4: think it's- one product but the great thing about having a team and having our unique experience at the miss the teen and the missus level is that we can bring all of those things to the table and so if we're talking about evening gowns the trends for teens are very much different for the gowns for misses, and I think that that is very valuable to our audience
0: so when you talk about your audience what exactly is your audience is it is it teens is it um women in their early 20s what what age demographic are you working with?
5: Mike, working now? Am I back in action?
0: We got
5: your mic Yay, on. I <laughs> Yay, I'm back. Do you mind if I take this question? Go for it. So what's really awesome about our team is that we do span, gosh, early teens, so 13 to the misses level, which is about, you know, can be 40 plus. So what's awesome is we all have experience at all the different levels, and the only level that we don't really deal with right now is um, kind of the Toddlers and Tiaras scene. We don't really um, focus on children pageants at all. Okay, so that's a good
0: question. <laughs> and I think we talked about this a little bit on the profile and it's not on the video. Uh, what is your take on Toddlers and is it Toddlers and Tiaras? I think we probably each have a different opinion on it. Um,
3: I was never involved in child pageantry, so... Um, You know, and and the media hasn't really given it the most uh, positive light. So, I don't know. There's a lot. I mean, even as an adult, when you're putting yourself out there, when you're on stage and, you know, it's easy to see it as a form of rejection if you don't win, if you don't make the cut. And um, sometimes I wonder if that's just a little too much pressure to put on a young girl who is still kind of coming into her own and figuring out who she is to to say that well you weren't good enough or you're not good enough because the crux of pageantry is go in there to be yourself and they'll love you for who you are so I think if you're younger it's easy to walk out of there and say okay well I was myself but they didn't like me therefore I'm not good enough so that's my personal opinion that's
4: not the pageant professor's <laughs> opinion but. Right. Uh,
3: and Courtney
0: fun. what about you since you deal with a lot of the teens?
2: well. Um, I mean, teen pageants, I started when I was 13. I think it was a great self-confidence builder. You know, I was able to meet amazing young girls. who, a lot of pageant girls are really driven, motivated young women. And so, you know, you find friendships that are very, you know, different, same personality types that you can really mesh well with. So that's why I I liked pageants even at a young age. I mean, I don't necessarily like you know toddlers and tiaras over the top glitz pageants but I do think you know there are non-glitz pageants for young girls that are more age-appropriate and more about talent and just getting out there and being on stage and I think the experience of being on stage is something that really is beneficial in you know later years and you know even into adulthood are
0: you having to deal with this and maybe Ali you can answer a little bit um since we haven't heard too much from you, unfortunately, and I'm really sorry about that because it sounds like uh, you have an, a very unique perspective on building a business. Um, I think you, um, Prita, and you could tell me if I'm totally wrong on this, but Allie, did you just have a baby?
5: I did. She's awesome. She okay. is about to turn seven months old. I so.
0: Now that you have a seven-month-old, a, seven a baby, which is incredible, by the way, because I've seen, unfortunately, people can't see you on the camera right now, um, but she looks incredible. And I think either Preeta oh, or Nicole were saying anything. that you basically lost all the baby weight and got back into shape in six months, which is awesome. Congratulations on that. Um, Thank
5: you. I basically sat on my couch and ate spaghetti for nine months, so I had 50 pounds to lose.
0: <laughs> wow. Well... I mean, when you're pregnant, you do what you need to do, I guess. I have a, a 19-month-old, too, so <laughs> I get it. Uh, so I wanted to ask you then, Allie, um, if you have you have a small child now, are you going to be putting him or her into pageants, or is that
5: something you'll wait and let them make the You know what? My husband, and I, my husband and I have talked about this. Um, we've talked about this at length. I think um, pageants are probably most appropriate for... The preteen age level, I think at that level you start to incorporate community involvement and platforms, which I think is um, part of the crux of being involved in pageants. So I think um, prior to that age level, it's mostly about physical appearance. um, And I want my daughter to be exceptionally well rounded. So I think I'm going to wait till she's a little bit older when she can kind of understand um, the thought behind having a platform and being a champion for um, charity work.
0: Very nice. And so I have a couple questions after we watch the next preview. So we have one more video of the YFE profile that you'll be able to find tomorrow at youngfemaleentrepreneurs.com. And this one's especially fun and interesting if you're watching and you're a young female entrepreneur. Again, if you have any questions for the ladies, definitely pop on over and type it in. I'll make sure it's relayed over to them. But I'll catch you back in a couple minutes.
4: I don't think we're ever not working. It's so sad to say,
3: but it's like, you know, if we're working out or if we're shopping or if we're, you know, I was at the ice skating rink the other day and saw a girl whose styling I loved and thought it would be great for the... I mean, it's just, it's so hard to, I think, turn your mind off. Um, I feel like everything I do and I see now, um, I automatically relate back to our business or how we can use that to...
4: um, you know, to, to some way improve what we're doing online. I completely agree. Everything I see, everyone I meet, I see is another opportunity to, you know, like we said, collaborate or team up with um, one it on the website somehow. Yeah, I think a great example is um, play tennis and, you know,
3: out there playing tennis one day and I was
4: this is a great workout. We should create. A tennis
3: workout for fat girls who don't want to go to the gym but still need to uh, to you know tone up that this is perfect. So I think it's examples like that of you know we have hobbies and, and try to do them, but somehow they always come back full circle to to uh, have the professors.
0: You cut the video short. You didn't do it no. <laughs> Oh, so um, you'll have to go to youngfemaleentrepreneurs.com to watch the rest of that piece, but it was about to go on to tips of partnering with other young female entrepreneurs, which I think is important. Uh, So I'm actually in the room right now in the studio with my dad who I partner with uh, for our web hosting company Ovali. This is our Ovali TV studio and we do a lot of videos in here. And it's an interesting balance when you partner with your parent. Um, but when you partner with another young female entrepreneur, another person who's going through similar life stages, there's a whole other mix of of fun things that could enter into it. So Since we missed the video explanation, let's see if your tips (laughs) change a little bit. Uh, So can you guys talk maybe a little bit about what your top one or two tips, each one of you, in uh, working both with another young female entrepreneur and also working virtually? Because like you said, none of you actually live in close proximity to each other. Communication is key. I mean, that's something that we have found
3: is at the heart of everything we do. Um, we have weekly group conference calls, Skype calls, um, and then we're all on email probably about two dozen times a day back and forth on text messages and whatnot because especially when you're dealing with the internet, the pace of everything is so quick with social media, with Twitter, when there's questions asked, we need to get answers turned around quickly. So um, we are always in constant communication and it and you'll notice that you know if there's one day that someone's not available, it's like the world stops.
4: <laughs> we just kind of
3: we have to plan for those moments ahead of time, but, uh, yeah, communication is, yeah, iPads, iPhones, everything.
0: Very nice. Nicole, why don't you talk a little bit about, because um, you talked in the video about your habits, your work ethic, I guess. Um I don't, I'd say that term loosely because it sounds like you guys just work all the time. That's your work ethic. Uh, so maybe talk a little bit about how that helps in collaborating and building a company with other young female entrepreneurs.
4: Yeah, well, like we said in the video, every time I'm out on the road or every time any of us are on the road, I think we meet people uh, very unexpectedly or purposefully that we can team up with later on. Or if we can't think of it right now, when we, when an opportunity does come up, to um, you know bounce off ideas or work together then you have those people in our contacts and you know, pageantry is known as being a very competitive thing to be involved in um, but it's really the friendships and the collaborations and the people that you meet that really help you get through and I'm so um, you know just very lucky to have the support system that I have with Prita, Ali, um, and Courtney. Very nice and
0: now Courtney Uh, Do you get along with them all the time? Nicole and Preeta talked about in the profile that every once in a while um, they'll disagree on something. And they are such good friends that they're able to basically say, "Mm, no, we're not going to do that. Let's move on to another item. Um, Courtney, do you have similar experiences with that? Or are there moments when you're just like, I really can't stand you. I need to hang up the phone right now. (laughs)
2: I mean, I feel like that's with any company, you know, no matter where you're at, you know, everyone's not always going to 100% agree on everything. But what's great about great the great. With women is that we all have the same collective goal in mind and we all have that same drive. So, you know, whether or not we agree on a topic or the way something's going to work, like communication is so important and we all are so open about what we think and what we think you know is best for the project that we're all gonna put our ideas up there and work together to hash it out because in the end we just want what's best for the company
0: alright so that's an interesting piece and Ali I'm so sorry you're having issues with Skype hopefully she's back on now Um. so Courtney you brought up a really good point because that is something that Preeta said too and that you all have common goals she mm-hmm. said that in the profile, um, you all have a common goal and you are so driven in order to achieve that and that's really helped within um, your company and the, the the structure that you've built around that. I also talked to Frida this morning about how you're still trying to define your roles within the company and what it is that you're responsible for. Allie is on video! Yeah. Awesome! <laughs> See, doesn't she look fantastic? Um, I I cannot believe you just had a baby. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so Ali, why don't you, uh, since you just popped on, um, why don't you talk a little bit about, because we were just talking about um, how you work with another young female entrepreneur. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about where your strengths are within this team and um, maybe where you see yourself in a couple years with pageant professors?
5: So I guess starting off with my strengths, on this team. I think I'm very like even tempered and even keeled. So if there's like a disagreement about a topic or if people have differing opinions, I try to kind of keep the peace and kind of like mellow everybody out. It's all going to be good. Everything's okay. Um, I think kind of just remaining calm is my strength. Um, Where do I see myself with pageant professors in a couple of years? Um, Hopefully, Um, With this platform, we can become sponsors to state and national level pageants and really help their contestants prepare for the big event that's about to take place.
0: Awesome. Uh, Courtney, since you're right up there next to her, why don't you tell us a little bit about your strengths and where you see yourself with pageant professors in a couple years?
2: Well, I think one of the main things that I bring to the table is my experience doing teen pageants um, and competing at Miss Teen USA. Um, I have, you know, I've been there, I've done that, and I know kind of the ins and outs of the teen pageant world. Um, And my past coaching experience, I think, really helps too, knowing like what completely novice, you know, contestants are looking for. when they're trying to prepare for their first pageant and ultimately my goal for pageant professors is to really you know be the number one um, pageant uh, online network for any girl that's interested in getting into this field and really you know enjoying and knowing every aspect that they need to know about the pageant world and I, I really want to see pageant professors dominating.
0: I like that, dominating. <laughs> so, Prita, tell us it is aggressive. So, let's uh, let's hear from Prita. Maybe tell us a little bit about again, same question: what your strengths are, and um, maybe even add in what your vision is for two years and how that differs from when you got started in the in the whole pageant professors building a business game. So, in terms of
4: uh,
3: so my my particular background, I luckily have the uh, the access to FYB and to Adam Sminsky and all of his knowledge. So um, I get to run with a lot of the business aspect of it, um, really working with the marketing, the online search, and the search engine optimization, um, building the brand, kind of online marketing a little bit. I also do a lot of the behind-the-scenes, the scenes for tech stuff, so the building the site, the editing the video, um, all of that is kind of is kind of me, um, but we all have had an experience. So when we're talking about collaborating on an article or on a, a video, um, we each have varying experiences, and so I do too as well. And, and my first couple of pageants were a mess. <laughs> and it's good, though, because um, I can look back and say, oh, my gosh, I had no idea what I was doing because no one told me X, Y, and Z. And so we get to create videos that, that address those. Um, in terms of the future for pageant professors, You know, to be quite honest, um, it's kind of drinking out of a fire hose right now. I don't think that we expected all of the attention and all of the following. We're so appreciative and humbled by it. Um, But it's moved at a much quicker pace than I think we expected. So we're still laying out the plans. But just like Ali said, um, I think our goal is to be... Uh, sponsors at national and state level pageants um, and a big part of that is to recruit girls to even get involved there's so many girls that will come up to us and say I'd really love to compete I just don't even know where to get started or what, com- what pageants be involved in so um, I think that that will be a big crux of it and then again like we're talking about the the more in-depth um, videos we've got our 101 courses and now we're, we're stepping it up to our 201 levels and, and going from there So we really want to help guide these young women um, through, through every stage of the pageant competition.
0: Very nice. So to wrap everything up, because I could go on and on and ask you a few other questions, but you'll have to go to youngfemaleentrepreneurs.com to find out um, more about them tomorrow when we'll air their their full profile. And you saw a few photos in there. That'll be in, on the website too. And you can kind of get an idea of what their videos are like. But I want to wrap it up with Nicole because we talked a little bit on the video about you, the undergrad and the importance of going to college and what that says about you as a person. But, Nicole, you actually have an MBA. So maybe talk a little bit about how you bring that MBA into the business. And um, also, same question as Preeta where do you see pageant professors in two years? And if you say the same thing, that's totally fine. Um, and how does that differ from when you were first sitting around the table saying, hey, let's put this on video? Uh-oh, do we have her video or her audio?
5: Oh no, oh no.
2: Cool.
4: Oh, am I back? Okay, everybody yeah. oh, you're back. Oh, okay. Yay. I think I muted the wrong thing. Um, <laughs> so background, I have a bachelor's in accounting and I have my MBA um, in finance. And so, you know, you often hear that you shouldn't work with your family or your friends because you'll end up hating each other. So, I think that I learned a lot about business sense, obviously, from the MBA program. I've learned to work with a lot of different teams, projects, and personalities. And so, working with my best friends has certainly been an adjustment but I think we've really created a community that is really fulfilling and you know more fulfilling than it would be if we had developed it with random people that we didn't really know.
0: Very nice. And does the vision for pageant professors, has that changed at all since you got started?
4: I don't think the vision has changed so much but I think the pace with which we are moving and Um, you know, our audience, I think that our following is much bigger than we ever imagined. Our site was only launched, um, a little over three months ago. So it's really exciting to see the enthusiasm for the project.
0: Very nice. Well, ladies, thank you so much for coming on the show because I really appreciate, uh, your insights as far as working with other young female entrepreneurs. Not only do you have one partner, but you have three other women that you work with on a daily basis, which is really, um, it's an interesting mix, uh, and then I'm sure a lot of other women are interested to see how that works, especially when you add that virtual piece into it. Uh, so like I said, everything's going to be up at youngfemaleentrepreneurs.com tomorrow. Get photos, videos. You'll be able to watch their profile and really learn where they got the idea, how they got it up on the site. I know that we talked a little bit about the Prida's boyfriend helped in that area, but you never know um so anyway thank you so much for coming on thank, thank you, you
2: for, for
4: having, having
0: us. us all right everyone well have a good night and hopefully we can do another chat soon and I'm excited to see where pageant professors goes in the next year because like they said three months their site has been up and it's just really taken off and Preda I talked to her earlier today and they just were not expecting such a wide response to it. So that's fantastic. But anyway, you've been watching uh, YFE TV with youngfemaleentrepreneurs.com. We do this every Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 9 Eastern Time. And there's a live chat over on the Facebook page that I definitely keep track of. So if you have questions, um, we get them answered. And if you want to know who next week's guest is, check over again at youngfemaleentrepreneurs.com tomorrow when we launch the uh, pageant professor's profile. Otherwise, thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll see you next week.